I'm done. You sure? You sure now? Yeah, episode five. Episode. Wow, five, five. We've been doing this too long already. Episode five. We're talking about what? drugs. Drugs. What kind of drugs? All kinds. We're talking about recreational prescription. Well, I guess that's the only kind. Um, but I do want to focus on mostly prescriptions. I think every podcast in the entire fucking world has done weed podcast before, right? Oh, How many I would, weed I would podcasts so. do you think there are? Off too, the top of your fucking head. Too many. There are too many. Thousands, right? Yeah. I don't want to talk about the legalization of weed. We will touch on it. Yeah, absolutely. But I don't want to spend a whole podcast talking about weed. Because it's just so fucking done. It's, it's done to death. It's, yeah, it's been done quite a bit. Oh, fuck that shit. I want to talk about pharmaceutical companies and their idea of drugs. All right, yeah, I can do. I can deal with that. There's a lot of shit behind I've done a lot of research on this, so I'm actually, for once, I'm clued in. I work for them indirectly. Uh, tell me, tell the viewers about who you work for. Without putting too much detail, I work for a pharmaceutical software company. We design software that the pharmaceutical companies are legally required to use. Why are they legally required to use it? Because it, it simulates the effects of drugs. So if you've got a drug and it's on the counter for, you know, if you've got a drug in your cupboard for 10 years. Okay. What happens to that drug in the 10 years? It decays. Right. And what chemicals it could produce and whether or not that's going to be harmful. It also reduces the need for animal testing because you can basically take pre-existing data on animals and sort of cross-reference it. You've got a database of data. You can kind of It's basically like putting all the pharmaceutical data together to speed up the development of drugs and reduce the amount of animal testing required. Okay. And that's, your job is to create software for them. Yeah, we do, we do software for that to help facilitate that kind of all right so i guess we'll start off with pharmaceutical companies so to start with for many years the public has been exposed to opioids yes and opioids come in the form of like oxycontins it basically it's basically painkillers kind of thing painkillers and an opioid is a key element in making heroin yeah. From opium, you do a load of science shit and you get heroin. Yes. So when you get these um, legal opioids, you're essentially selling a very key element of heroin. Yeah. And you can get high off these. You can get high on painkillers. There are a lot of people who take painkillers for headaches and random shit, and it does make you high. It gets oh, no, 100%. Yeah, like you, you look at your codeine, you look at your... Codeine, yeah, there you go. Um, you look at your tramadol. Tramadol. Yeah. Uh, Vicodin, Vicodin, morphine. Yeah. yeah, it's all an opioid. Mm-hmm. It's a very powerful opioid, and a lot of it's legal for medical uses, but it's also destroying a lot of people's lives. Like if you get addicted to this, it's so hard to get off of that you actually need to go to rehab and get put on the same like drug that they get given to people on heroin. And I believe that's some form of, um, I can't remember what it's called. Isn't that methadone? Methadone, yeah. So it's very yeah. similar in its effects, but it doesn't make you high, but it, it keeps away the withdrawal symptoms. Yeah, it, it sort of fills the need without the effect, without the side effects. Yeah, so you don't get high from yeah. that at all. Obviously, because the people in rehab aren't going to make you high. Because otherwise, you get addicted to that as well. Yeah, yeah. So uh, they give you this shit. Uh, that's stays off the side effects 
but that just brings up the question like drugs the fact that there are legal drugs out there that doesn't make it any it's just insane to me how you can make marijuana illegal in many countries including the united kingdom mm-hmm. and many states in the u.s barring like california and like other states i don't know how many states in the u.s are i think it's been legalized in quite a few now all i know is california colorado, colorado is legalized so less so there's la colorado and i think washington probably i don't know about washington no idea i'm not going to comment on that but definitely the united kingdom it's not been legalized it's still a class b drug i thought it was class c it's B drug. It's definitely it, B? B, oh, yeah. okay. it used to be a class C drug right. in two thousand something, but they've since raised it to class B for some reason. I don't know why. Okay. No literal reason for that. Right. I guess it's not that dangerous. Um, again, I'm, I'm not going to try and make this podcast about entirely shilling it, but yeah, it's a class B drug, but yeah, it's nowhere near as detrimental to your health as codeine is or oxycontin. Not methamphetamine or anything like that. Yeah, exactly. Anything like that is absolutely terrible for your health. But weed is not. No. It simply isn't. Like it's not even like a. I don't. There's no point bringing up scientific studies anymore for it. Mm. There's no point trying to like cite my references anymore. Yeah. Because everyone fucking knows it by now. It's 2019. Oh no, absolutely. Yeah. Everyone just fucking knows it right now. And it's not like a psychedelic either, which is really gonna. No which has the potential to really screw with your mind and the perception of reality no people just know it people just know that weed is not that dangerous but absolutely anything relating to like a uh, opioid is dangerous it's really bad for you it can destroy your health but it's legal yeah so what do you think about all of this well I think there's been kind of based on the death rates in the US especially yeah um, I think they've got a real crisis on their hands because they don't seem to be doing anything to curb the kind of addiction to it plus I think there's still a lot of stigma around it like people still kind of think people it comes as a broader conversation around addiction itself not just around drugs but addiction as a concept to say that addiction is only for the weak-willed and kind of like you know the lower rung of society whereas addiction can kind of affect anyone and there's still a great stigma around that it's the fact that why should we be helping these addicts who clearly made their choice in life and it's to be addicted to these things and I th- you know i think there's, there's, there's a bit of education to be done there in terms of People don't want to be addicted to anything. Like, no one wants that. Like, people yeah. just... People... People want an escape. People who people who indulge in these things tend to be in a place in their life that kind of... You know, maybe, maybe things aren't going quite their way. It's not to say that they want this lifestyle. It's that they just want a brief respite from it. Yeah. And I think especially with the opioids, because as you correctly said, like a lot of them are painkillers. Like you get a lot of people who can fall into addiction quite easily, who have maybe got back pain or anything like that. Headache. People take headaches. Yeah, my migraines. Migraines. People take oxycontins for headaches. Yeah, well, that's like taking fucking weed for a cut on your finger, dude. 
Like you, you give it a tiny amount of pain and you take weed or heroin or fucking for a cut on your finger. Like you don't need to do that. But a lot of people are because they think that they can just get over it by taking this legal drug. And the fact that it's legal means that it's fine. It yeah. can't do any damage to me. It's legal. I'm fine. No. Not at all. This could be the legal drug. This could be a recreational drug if you made it so. No, I think there's a lot of education to be done there. Yeah, people need to be educated on the fact that these drugs, because they're legal, don't make them safe. Yeah, I mean, uh, a key example of that is, you know, alcohol. Yeah, it's legal, but is it safe? Absolutely not. No, I mean, in terms of a guarantee, like, in terms of getting high, other drugs are more likely to give you a guaranteed high. Alcohol is inherently in- unpredictable, and the number of deaths and injuries caused by alcohol are quite astronomical in terms of especially like i would love to see the figures for murder suicide rates on alcohol Mm. because i'm i'm almost guarantee i can almost guarantee there will be a lot higher and a lot more severe than any illegal substance or opioid or anything of the sort the thing of alcohol is like it's so ingrained in our culture and so in like implanted in us from like it's so crazy to me that in 2019 we have adverts for alcohol yeah and i'm all about freedom i'm all about like doing whatever you want but like if it's the government's kind of agenda to stop people from drinking as much the fact that we still have adverts dedicated to getting drunk essentially because that's what alcohol is if you why drink alcohol over something that tastes nice like i could drink a nice grape juice and even though it's full of sugar which is just as dangerous yeah it doesn't get me high it doesn't yeah. get me drunk it might give me a bit of a sugar rush but i've never i've not had that since i was eight years old it tastes nice but it doesn't get me drunk but an alcoholic drink if you drink just a little too much you get drunk and that's the whole reason they sell it that's, that's the entire reason. They, they yeah. sell it because they know that if you drink more of their product and buy more, you're going to feel really good. You're going to get drunk. And getting drunk is great. That's not, that's, not, that's not bullshit. We're drunk right now. Absolutely. We are both fucked right we now. Are, we are very much so. We are drunk right now. Because Absolutely. it's fun. It's fun to get drunk. It's fun. Sometimes. Because it's legal and we have access to it. If it was illegal, would you still try and get hold of it? I think I'd be less inclined to try and get drunk if it was legal. Yeah, because it's harder, isn't it? And it's also not worth it in terms risky. of... It's risky, isn't it? Yeah. It's risky. And in terms of highs, if you were, if alcohol was also a class B drug... Yeah, yeah, which it should be, or more. I would also... I'd be looking at what other drugs were class B, and I'd be kind of considering, well, if I drink alcohol, I can't really guarantee how I'm going to feel afterwards. Yeah. But if I have some weed or whatever else is class B, I can all drugs. Other drugs seem to have a more predictable kind of effect. When's the last time you got a hangover from weed? You don't get a hangover, but you get what I've dubbed a stone over. Have you ever had that? Yes. I've never had that before. I have had that where basically the next day, if you have weed late at night, you really, really struggle to wake up the next day. I've never had that before. Oh, I've had that. I had that this morning. The thing is, I've gone to work the next day at six o'clock in the morning. No, like never. Had it. If I have weed, 
the night before, the next day I can't guarantee, I am very sleepy. Seriously? Oh, 100%, I am really tired. Wow. I struggle to get out of bed the next day after having weed. Is it worse than the hangover? It's, it's not, so a hangover, in, a hangover causes pain. It's either sickness or headache. I tend to get a headache. <sighs> I don't get a headache from weed. Yeah. But it is very difficult to kind of wake up. It, I just feel a bit sluggish first thing in the morning. It's it's a very fleeting thing, but like if you've got to be up at, you know, seven in the morning, you're gonna struggle to get out of bed on your first alarm. Right. Okay. Even, you know. I'm I have more problem with alcohol. Yeah. So if I drink loads, if if I drink, I've been drinking loads anyway. Right now. So when I wake up tomorrow morning, which is Friday, thankfully. Yeah. I'm going to be, knowing me, I'm probably going to wake up about four o'clock in the morning from a dream. Because when I drink alcohol, I always dream. I don't know why. Really? Yeah. If okay. I drink, like like I'd, right now, I'm pretty drunk. So if I keep going the way I am and I go to sleep drunk, um, I usually have about five or four pints of water before I go to sleep after I'm drunk. Because I don't want to wake up feeling thirsty and I hate that. So I'll dream, I'll probably go for a piss, I'll wake up because I need a piss, and then I'll go back to sleep, and then I'll drink, dream some more. And when I wake up, I'll obviously feel hungover, but that's nowhere near, that's, that's like, that's, that's, uh, being hungover, having a wee, having a stone over is nowhere near as bad. Oh no, I wouldn't, like, yeah. Like, I can go to work on a stone over, which I've never really had before, like, if I smoke weed, loads and loads and loads the night before and I go to sleep I wake up I feel fine I don't get stone overs but I do get hangovers I absolutely get hangovers I never feel sick I never get vomiting I don't ever get that but I do get like a cloudy head or mm. I feel rough I do feel rough but I don't get sick I never get vomiting yeah no but I wake up I feel rough I just want to go to sleep I don't get that I just get a headache with a hangover I never feel tired I never feel rough I just get a headache I get kind of a headache. It's like it's not really a headache. I don't feel but, the pressure, but I feel like. But fun, fun fact: Did you know the symptoms of a hangover very much simulate diabetics low on sugar? Really? Yes, I learned my. I did first aid training. I learned on my course. Pro tip for everyone listening: A lot of the symptoms of a hangover can be solved by increasing your blood sugar because you are drinking a poison. Your body is working overtime, burning energy. Okay. try and get rid of the poison which means you're reducing your body's levels of sugar so if you drink some leucosids in the morning and then maybe have some wheat bit so you know like uh or muesli so you know something like proper carbohydrate and like sugar you know, energy you need energy uh-huh. if you top up your energy levels the hangover is going to go a lot quicker okay that would be what it does like protein in the morning when they're hangover. it's not protein it's sugar you need carbohydrates Carbohydrate is sugar. Yeah, carbohydrate is sugar. Is that what that is? Yeah. Pasta, it's, rice. It's just sugar. It all, yeah, it's a glycogen. It digests to the same thing. Refined sugar is bad for you. It's carbohydrate. It's but bad for you, isn't it? They're not Even bad. Moderation. No, 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 they're not bad for you. They are necessary as part of a balanced diet. It's just but sugar's not, though. Like refined, no, the key component is refined sugar. Just a powder. So things like donuts and 
brownies and cake. Not good for you. Yeah, I'll give you. But, you know, Weetabix, pasta, uh, mus- muesli, you know. Um, but rice is a carbohydrate. Yeah, rice. In mod- but, but in mod- uh, in India, type, type, yeah, type 2 diabetes is quite rampant in India. Because of rice? Because of rice. You've got to be kidding me. No, seriously. So don't eat much, don't eat rice. No, okay. Moderation. Moderation is key. Don't eat every day. No, you can't eat it every day. Just do not eat it all the goddamn time. Would you balance your level of carbohydrates? You know when it says on the back on, on nutrition information, how it says carbohydrates are which sugar? Carbohydrates are sugar. They are energy. I don't know that. Yeah, that's what, why they so say. So bread is sugar. Yes, bread is a carbohydrate. What about brown bread? Yes. Can, what the fuck can you eat, man? This is fucking. No, you, you can still eat it, but it is a carbohydrate. A carbohydrate is necessary as part of a balanced diet because it provides energy. Carbohydrates provide Protein sugar. Provides energy. But not as much as a carbohydrate. Or sugar. Yeah, but what you, the key the key thing I think is just ref, eat balanced diet. You've basically. got re, yeah, refined sugar and then you've got slow release carbohydrates. Slow release. So you know like cereal like Alpen and stuff like that, you brown know like flakes and stuff. that kind of brown flaky cereal. Yeah. That's good. That's slow. What you call a slow release carbohydrate. Yeah, but it's a slow release carbohydrate, which means you can have that, and your energy level would be quite consistent throughout the day. <laughs> Whereas if you have like a really sugary soft drink like a Coca Cola, a monster drink, your energy will spike and then drop. So you crash. Because you have refined sugar, which basically digests quicker. Right. Because it's effectively already broken, the carbohydrate in it's already broken down to a refined level. Mm-hmm. So if you've got, the idea is that you have some carbohydrate, but you have a slow release carbohydrate. That's why it's a good f- for a breakfast. Because obviously when the, in the morning, you need enough energy to wake you up and get you through to lunchtime. So like things like Weetabix are actually pretty good for you. First and at lunchtime you have no carbs. But people have like no, cereal, no, a sandwich, can. and then it's, lunch, no. it's all about moderation. Obviously, I'm all not right, saying so like take this for example. If you had like if you had like Weetabix for breakfast, yeah, a sandwich for lunch, white yeah. bread, yeah, yeah, with whatever fuck filling, mm-hmm. and, then, and then at dinner time you have potatoes or rice. Mm-hmm. Is that fine? Again, it just depends on the proportion. It depends on which energy you burn throughout the day. What if you're just doing nothing all day? Same levels. I mean, I'm not a nutritionist. I can't speak primarily. I can't. All right. Okay. Let's do that. So people in India are getting type 2 diabetes. Yeah. From rice and bread. Are you sure it's from rice and bread? What if it's from the curry they're eating or the, the very like sugary the curry The curries themselves aren't. Uh, they're quite sugary though, right? No, they're not. They're not enough. They're not sugary enough to kind like, of. Tikka masala is very sugary. No, it's not. Calm is very sugary. It's not. It's really not. A calm is sweet as fuck. It's sweet, but it's not sugar. What the fuck is it then? Spices. You, what spices make that sweet? Right, but my point is, it's not... People get diabetes not from the curry, but from... They don't put sugar directly in the recipe. In tikka masala they do. No, Absolutely. They, to make it that red. What sugar is red? No, no, no. It's not the first... Okay, right. No, my, point, my point is, in India at least... The diabetes is from primarily the the amount of rice and bread because they have rice with every meal. They have rice at breakfast. They have bread and rice at breakfast. 
They have bread and bread and rice at lunch, and they have bread and rice at dinner or tea time. Every meal is accompanied by rice and bread. Okay. If you're eating that for every meal every day, that can add up and eventually lead to type two diabetes. I've seen some very skinny Indians. Diabetes. With diabetes, I have worked with people who have they're on the risk factor for diabetes, despite the fact that. Probably athletically, they are healthier than me. They could probably do more than me, but they are at great risk for diabetes. Fucking hell! Can you what? I wish someone would just release a fucking list. I wish someone. Right. Okay. This podcast is now about drugs and nutrition. Because I think. We, I think we, we can just go on a fucking tangent. Yeah, we can just say health. I think at this point. Health. health. Yeah. This podcast is now about health. Fuck yep. it. Right. So I wish someone would just release a fucking list. About what I should eat every fucking day to remain healthy and live as long as possible. And I, I'm pretty sure there are lists out there online. If I if I Google what should I eat to live for as long as possible, it's going to be out there. You can probably Google it right now. I'll, I'll Google it right now. Uh, okay. I'm going to look right now on my phone what to eat if I want to live for as long as possible. This is, this is great for an audio medium, by the way. I've got to say. So here is just googling. What secret. to eat to live to one hundred? Here we go. The secret to eternal life. What to eat if you want to live to one hundred? Top result, except cookies. Fuck off. Here we go. Loads of recipes. I don't. Where are we going? That didn't, it just sent me to a website. It didn't give me anything. Fuck off. But what I'm saying, I, I think the idea of eating healthily is a very modern invention. People in the ancient times and people in yeah, you know older that. times, they didn't really worry about what they ate. Yeah, and they lived to 30 years old. Not all of them. If you look, ha, Have you traced your family tree? No. I've traced my family tree and some of them lived 80 years in the 1600s, which is pretty damn impressive. What? Oh, right, here we go, here we go, 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 go. Beans, black beans, pinto beans, uh, black-eyed peas, <laughs> lentils, spinach, kale, beet, beet tops, what's that? Is, that, is beets, uh, in the so, UK, is beet sweet potatoes? Uh, I think it's beetroot, isn't it? I don't know. Sweet potatoes is one. If you want to live to a hundred, you got sweet potatoes, nuts, mm-hmm. olive oil, plenty of that. Oats, barley, fruits of all kind, turmeric. The best beverages are water, obviously. Foods to minimize include meat. Meat only two times per week or less. Shit, I eat chicken pretty much every day. I'm pretty mm. sure chicken's fine though, right? Well, if you look at places like Japan, who eat primarily fish all the time, they yeah. live a very long life. But Japan's they also have, like, radiation and shit as well. Yeah, but Japan also, on average, has the longest life expectancy. Does it? Well past 100 years. But don't they have a lot of, like, uh, fucking pollution in Japan? Yeah, but, like, healthy eating. Um, t- they eat a lot of fish. They don't eat a lot of red meat. Okay, don't eat sugar at all. Don't eat bread at all. Don't eat salty snacks like uh, crisps. Yeah. 
Don't eat sausage, salami, bacon, or lunch meat. Don't eat that anyway. Don't eat cookies or candy bars. 95% of your food should be plant-based. Eat your largest meal at breakfast. A mid-sized lunch and a small dinner. So it's reversed. I always thought it was a small lunch to mid-sized dinner and large lunch. Uh, sorry, uh, small-sized breakfast, mid-sized lunch and large dinner. But it's reversed. It's actually a large breakfast, uh, mid-sized lunch and small dinner. Stop eating when you're 80% full. Top longevity foods eaten each, each blue zone is olive oil, wild greens, potatoes, uh, garbanzo beans, black-eyed peas, lentils, feta and goat cheese, sourdough bread, lemons, honey, herbal tea, coffee, wine. In Japan, it's tofu, yeah. sweet potatoes, brown rice, garlic, turmeric. Turmeric keeps coming up. I wonder what that's about. Turmeric's a yellow, it's that yellow, it's, in, it's used a lot in Indian cooking, it's that turmeric, it's that yellow spice. But they keep getting type 2 diabetes. It's, you know, it's, you know, when you're, um, when you're cooking and you, when you have a curry and you get that yellow colouring on your hands. No. That yellowy grease. Never cooked with that shit, yeah. Wait, that's something in the cupboard. I'm that is turmeric. Turmeric will stain everything yellow. I put that in rice, you well, he's off to he's off to get some spice out of the cupboard just to see if he's got some turmeric to investigate. Pretty sure it I'm definitely vamping right now while he searches through the spice cupboard in hopes of discovering. He's found some turmeric. Right, what I want you to do now is rub it on your hands and see it turn yellow. I'm gonna do that. I will do it. Bring it here. I will demonstrate for you. If you touch the controller, if you touch the Xbox controller. Or the TV remote. After doing this, you're gonna die. I didn't pay for either of them. It's fine. Neither did you. But I have to use them, so please don't. Right, he's rubbing turmeric, ground turmeric, on his hands. For some goddamn reason, yeah, his hands have gone very yellow. Like he's got fucking liver disease. You got someone you hold you as well. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, but you see, that's the yellow. That's the yellow spice they use in a lot of Indian cooking. Isn't it? Yeah. I'm gonna smell it. And apparently this is really good for you as well. It's really good for you. Fight off cancer cells, I'm told. Yeah, well, maybe. I was gonna put in everything now. Right, so to lift 100, I need, start the top, beans, black beans, pinto beans, I don't know how you can get these shit. Spinach, kale, char chards, fennel, Pollards, I don't know where you get this shit. I know we get spinach from. Almond, I don't know where you get that from. Oats, sure. Fruits, fine. Blueberries. And turmeric. Okay, that's doable. So you think... So with the turmeric... So you actually reckon you, if you follow all of this dietary advice, you are going to live to be a hundred. I think it helps. I think a lot. I think it's ignoring a lot of the factor, which it comes down to is genetics. It's ignoring the genetic factor by a massive margin. Right. So all my family. Yeah. Have lived to about ninety. Right. And I have a pretty good chance of living to ninety. Is that on both sides of your family? Yeah. 
my dad's dad is still alive and he's 90. Right. My mum's parents, who are French, they live in Gascony, right. which is essentially fucking Italian. Right. You know, it's French. They, they're like 80 off as well. So both sides of my family have 80, 90 year old people. But they, no the, one's died young. Do they eat and drink as much alcohol as you do? Well, I don't drink much alcohol. I still think there's a lot to be said about genetics are one thing, but you've got to factor in lifestyle as well. Unless your lifestyle is perfectly parallel. I eat well. In your opinion. I eat a lot of vegetables. You eat a lot of red meat. I don't eat a lot of red meat. Mm. I eat that once a week. Alright. Eat a lot of greens. But equally, equally, you are still, do you know the risk factor for cancer? Don't tell me, it'll, it'll bum me out. It used to be one in three. You've got a one in three chance of getting cancer. Now it's they reckon it's a one in two chance. Uh, 50% chance of getting cancer. Which effectively renders any health advice moot. Why do you think that's been... Yeah, but the thing is, though... I think it's a bit of a thing with I think that statistic has been risen by like uh, pollution as well. I think that statistic has been like elevated by people in like certain countries where pollution is really high, like China or India, where pollution is fucking massive. So that's increased the uh, the statistic and the ratio. But I think that ratio needs to be very relevant to where you live. Like if you live where we are now, like in the Middle East of we don't live in the middle. What we talking about in the northeast of England? We don't live near any kind of massive pollution areas. Mm. Like obviously, there's like uh, the smoggies, but we're not anywhere near them. Middlesbrough, is it? Yeah, Middlesbrough and Teesside. We don't live anywhere fucking near them, for one. And all their fucking pollution is going to get blown across the North Sea anyway. We don't live where we have to wear a face mask all the time. We don't live in Hong Kong or Beijing or Bangladesh. We don't live in these countries where there are huge amounts of pollution. Or Korea. Korea is a huge contributor to pollution. Mm -hmm. A lot of there's a huge amount of cancer risks in Korea, in South Korea, North Korea, because of the amount of industrial uh, waste that's been released into the atmosphere. All this contributes to the fucking statistic of there being a one in two chance that's not based on where you live that's based on a whole in the entire world so you can't rely on statistics that are based on the entire world because you might live in the middle of the Cotswolds where it's nice and sunny all day and it's nice and green and there's no pollution at all and you live a nice healthy lifestyle or you might be an Italian guy living in the middle of fucking Rome who is olive oil and like turmeric and fucking blueberries all day and lives till 100 because there's no pollution you know what i mean i know what you're saying so you've got to be very wary about statistics because they're based on an average of the, of, 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 they're based on a global average well you might not apply to you you're saying a global average i'm just saying not on survivor rate or anything like that but according to cancer.org Nearly one in three people in the United States will have cancer during their lifetimes. 
Sure. And that's that's irrelevant of health, lifestyle, you know, or anything like that. Nine out of ten are diagnosed in people ages fifty and older. Fifty. Nine yeah. out of ten. Yeah. Oh my fucking god! In the uh, US. Yeah. But that can be extrapolated outward, you know. You can kind of. Dude, I don't want to talk about this. But Jesus we Christ. are doing a podcast about this. Oh my. But what I'm saying god. is that regardless of lifestyle, like, I have worked with, I have worked with three or four people who have died from cancer. One of them was twenty-seven. He died. Another person was quite fit and healthy. He went out. He played a lot of sports. He was he was healthier than I was. He died from cancer. My grandmother, sixty-five, she walks six miles a day. Cancer. In terms of health and lifestyle, it's irrelevant. It all comes down to luck and genetic factors. It certainly helps, right? Hmm. So you've. You, Basically, you have to look at your family tree, don't my, you? My grandmother was 65. She walked six miles a day. Do you walk six miles a day? No. No. Six miles a day is pretty damn good, isn't it? It's, you would consider anyone who walked six miles a day healthy. She had steamed vegetables and looked after herself. And still, she got cancer. So in terms of that, at what point do you think, well, if that's the risk factor, what am I doing with my time? Why am I trying to avoid this? You might as well enjoy your time you've got, whether or not it's... All time is limited. You will have a limited time on this planet, whether it's through drugs, addiction, cancer, or whatever. You might as well enjoy the time you have, however you see fit. It is your time. It is your time to burn. It is your time to, quote-unquote, waste, if people so want to judge you that way. But ultimately, it comes down to the fact that it is your time. No one else's. If you want to burn yourself out by the time you're 40, fine, do it. It's your time to do it. I think your lifestyle does decrease the risk. Yeah, but let's say genetically you've got a risk factor of 70% and your lifestyle reduces it by 15%. Which, right, but I don't have that. so I might Do you know that for a fact? Well, I know it because none of my family have died from cancer. Well, right, my granddad died from cancer because he smoked all his life. Right. And drank all his life. So he he had lo- he had some kind of cancer. And he died. Mm-hmm. My grandma had a brain tumour. But also she also smoked all her life as well. And I know for a fact that smoking does attribute to brain tumours. Right, attributes but, to fuck right, cancer. But can you unequivocally say that their smoking directly contributed to their tumours? That's what the doctor said. Because brain tumours aren't necessarily directly correlated with smoking. But brain tumours are also random as well. Like, anyone can get them. But yeah. they're not genetic. They're just, they can just happen. Yeah. They're one of those kind of cancers that can just randomly happen to anyone. So I think you've kind of got to take it with a pinch of salt in terms of medical evidence, whether or not you can say unequivocally that, oh, it was smoking that caused that problem, so I'll just avoid smoking. It's not necessarily guaranteed of anything. I think if someone dies from lung cancer and they, they've smoked all their life, probably a good indication to not. Yeah, you might be able, Yeah, I wouldn't disagree with that in terms of you smoke and you have lung cancer. That's kind of like, yeah, okay, I can see the cause and effect of that. But equally, you can have people who don't smoke and end up with, you know, people who don't smoke or drink can end up with a form of cancer that affects smokers and drinkers. 
Yeah. Like bowel cancer or, you know, lung cancer or anything of the sort. Mm-hmm. You know, we spend a lot of time around electronic devices. Electronic devices, although there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of dispute about whether or not they cause radiation and everything like yeah, that. That's bullshit. If you if you are stuck if you are using your phone every day, I don't. No, but if you are, if people do, there's a chance it can cause cancer. Is there? My uncle, he got a brain tumor and he was on his phone like all day, every day. Well, talking on it. Yeah. Do you think that attributes a brain cancer? I'm not. Don't know. It's. You want to believe it's because of it's the correlation, not causation. So, it. It seemed likely. Again, there's no proof or evidence, but my dad kind of... My dad seems convinced that his brother died from... A, he, d- he definitely died from brain tumour. And he was someone who used his phone quite regularly every day on the phone, like calling. So he had it close to his ear. See, it just seems like... It seems like one of those things where it's like... It seems so obvious that I want to believe that it's this. Because on the phone all day, what else could it be? But realistically, it might just be due to... But I think it, it comes out of the fact that we still don't fully understand all of what can cause cancer or what all is bad for us. It's fucking annoying. And we've got it? all of these modern advances in technology and understanding and nutrition. And do you, remember, you know how they said they thought eggs were bad for us, how we could only eat like two eggs a day maximum and then they've changed their mind? That's what they just said. I was just listening to that fucking thing there. Yeah. And it said, don't eat too many eggs. Yep. And then I listened to something else that said, if you want to keep a healthy head of hair, eat more eggs. It's like, which which fucking one is it, man? Well, exactly. There's that much information out there about nutrition as well. It's like, what do you follow? It's like, um, things that are good for your heart, bad for your liver, you know, uh, like caffeine. Caffeine, for instance, is a good example of this. Caffeine is very good for your liver. It'll actually reduce the risk of cirrhosis of the liver. Bad for your heart. So it's kind of like, do you want a good liver? Do you want a good heart? Like, I wonder if I've got heart attacks if it's about fast food and caffeine. I know, like people say, like what you were saying the other day that like um, stress causes death, early death, right? I but I do believe like stress, cortisol, the stress hormone does definitely cause, str- like sorry, it does cause stress on the body. How would you define stress? It's basically. In terms of psychology and like, um, like a chemical response, it's a flight of it's a fight or flight response to an event. Right. So let's say you've got a very important meeting at work that you haven't fully prepared for. Mm. Your body goes into kind of like a fight or flight response. You're like, I need to run away from this, or I need to fight it. Because your body sees it as a threat. Your body sees it as a threat, or it's scared. Your body is in a fear, is in fear mode. It's a very primal response because fear is the most primal emotion that we have. How can you combat stress? Breathing techniques? There's a number of ways people believe in terms of combating stress. That's uh, that monks have done it. That's another cut. That's another podcast. Let's just touch on it for a second. But no, you've got meditation. You've got meditation is a big one. The right? entire entertainment and industry could be argued as a combat against stress. Where? You play a video. You get angry at work. In stress because you're like I can't do anything about all of these people at work and I can't do anything like I feel powerless and you feel stressed and you play some games and you know you you get out the catharsis it's an, it's a cathartic effect yeah but it's same as entertainment you know you get home after a long day at work you're like drained because you feel physically if whether or not you've done any physical 
lifting or anything. If you feel stressed, you feel physically drained because your body has been carrying this cortisol, like the hormone in you. You've been stressed all day. You get home and your stress level drops. You feel exhausted, despite the fact you haven't, you know, you haven't run a marathon, you haven't been at a gym all day. And if you do that every day, if you experience that every day, you think that's going to lead to an early death? Yes. So do you think people who are like unemployed, who face no stress at all, no, bearing no, no, in no, mind, no, 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 okay, that is a okay, gross oversimplification. No, 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 I know. Let me let me keep going. These people are unemployed. They spend all their money, for example, on healthy foods. No cigarettes, no alcohol. Yeah. They buy nice healthy foods. They exercise every day. Okay, it's a hypothetical. They're, they have no, yeah, it's hypothetical. They have no stress at all in their life. This is, I'm not talking about anyone in particular. This is just a hypothetical. Mm-hmm. They eat healthily. They exercise. They have no stress in their life at all because they have nothing to worry about because they have no job. But they spend their food, the money very wisely on healthy foods, uh, fucking vegetables, low amount of red meat, old stuff that makes them live longer. They exercise loads. No stress. Do you think these people will live longer than the people who have really successful careers, but these careers are very fucking high stress, really high responsibility, everything's on the line. There's a lot of reward for them. There's a lot of money involved, but that comes with a lot of like stress that you have to work. You have to work overtime to get this. You have to work really fucking hard. I think it's grossly oversimplified because I do believe that I do believe that despite the fact that people may live that way, they. I don't believe for a second that anyone is stress-free because you say these unemployed people have no stress in their life. That is incorrect. They have the stress of not having a job. And if they don't have a job, they don't, they're not making a living. And in terms of like access to resources and stuff, they can't have enough access to resources to make any kind of reasonable existence for themselves. So in terms of Stress. Um, I don't. There is no such thing as a stress-free human being. I don't fully believe. Unless you're like a, a monk, who's then completely. Which go through they, they go through an incredible level of discipline we can't comprehend. Do you think that discipline is stressful? That'd be a good paradox, wouldn't it? They try so hard to remove their lives of stress that the actual process is stressful. They don't do it to remove stress, though. They remove it to be. They do it to be disciplined. They're not doing it to say things to think like, if I do this, I will have a stress-free existence. They do it for the sake of the. They do it for the sake of doing it. How would you? How do you feel when you're stressed? Explain to me the process of being stressed. You understand what being stressed is. It is. I do, but I'm asking you, like your experience. So depending, it depends on the reaction because you've got nerve. You've it's a whole spectrum. You've got nervousness, anxiety. You've got the whole thing, but. Depending on the severity, you can you basically the whole going like weak at the knees. If you are like anticipating a very stressful event, you can lose like, like, it feels like your knees are going weak. Like your legs are kind of like losing their strength, and it just feels very strange. Um, in terms of panic attacks, for instance, which That's is a like form of stress. Yeah, it's a spike of anxiety, which is a type of stress. Anxiety is stress. Yeah. 
you can go into like a daze where your mind is clouded and you're not really fully functioning you're not really thinking straight and you're just kind of your heart is going a hundred beats per minute you're kind of it's hard to think like when you're stressed as well like you've got a when you're in a panic attack kind of state you just don't really care about anything and you're kind of in a date you're in a daze like everything matters and at the same time nothing really matters you're kind of just in that state where it's very strange and again like stress can like affect you in such a catastrophic way that like pe people who undergo extreme levels of stress have the level of emotional kind of anguish it can cause is quite catastrophic in terms of like debt when you think about people in terms of debt so this incredible amount of stress people feel from like i imagine you're right like financial like being in debt being given a deadline to yeah. pay like the de I think deadlines are the biggest stress causes to me like yeah. from when we're in school when you're like doing uh it's basically any kind of time pressure any kind yeah, of yeah it's, it's stressful yeah because you have to you know that there are going to be consequences that could be like huge for you if you don't achieve a certain goal within that time yeah like the biggest example the most popular one is like when you're at university or college or whatever you want to call it and you have a deadline yeah it's let's say september 10th yeah which is four days from now four days yeah and you have to hand in an essay that is 2500 words fully referenced all the blah 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 yep that's stressful that is stressful people go oh shit they start breathing heavy they're like oh shit i've got to go 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 they start taking pills like pro plus or whatever the fuck and they blast it out they fucking do it they manage because they they just just do it because they need to because they know if they don't hand in that essay they won't they'll fail the class if they fail the class they'll fail the course if they fail the course they won't get the job they want if yeah they, if they don't get the job they want they have to they'll, they'll, they won't get any prospects in life because they yeah. won't have the degree mm -hmm. if they don't have the degree they can't you know do what they want to do so they have to do something for the rest of their life that will suck that's a huge amount of pressure that will be the thought process yeah that's a huge amount of pressure on them that they might not think exactly what i just thought but that's always there at the back of their head yeah like if they don't do this it's going to be a huge ripple effect yeah that's a huge amount of pressure that's that pressure and stress that's, that's kind an of insane amount of stress and it's what society puts on a lot of people as well only a certain amount of people can compartmentalize and go okay i have five days left let's think about it i have two thousand words I can do that in four days if I do 500 words a day. No, but even then you feel less stress. You still feel less stress. You do. But only certain people can lower that stress. Most people will go fucking shit, 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 shit. Gotta do this now, no, 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 no. Gotta, gotta freak out. No, but like, I would say that most people will do that. Only certain people can be like, I'll compartmentalize. I'll be relaxed about it. I'll take it easy. I'll do a system. Only certain people can handle that shit. Most people, like us, are going to be like, fuck, 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 I've got four days to do this or whatever the fuck. Got to blast it out right now. Got to do this, got to do that. And do you think, in that short amount of time,
you could be 23 years old, for example, and that amount of stress you feel, do you think that's going to have a long-term effect on your health? That short burst of... Do you, do you think it has to be long-term stress, or do you think it could be any amount I think, of stress? I think it needs to be chronic stress, because the right. idea behind stress is that it's a fight-or-flight response. It has to be constant. And the idea of a fight-or-flight response is it's temporary. Right. So if you feel incredibly stressed for a day, I don't see it having a long-term effect. However, yeah. if you are in, let's say you're in incredible financial debt because of one thing or another. You turn your hair out. Because, you, because of addiction, because of you know loans, because of something you, because of something recreation, because of something stupid you did, but maybe because of something necessary that you had to do. Either way, you are in stress. Every day you are in financial stress, wondering how you are going to pay for something. That kind of chronic level of stress, you are stressed every single day. That level of just constant anxiety and worry every day of the week, kind of wondering what you're going to do next mm -hmm. or what the solution to the problem is. I, th I see that as having a very detrimental effect to your health. However, I see a brief sort of like crap. I've got to give a presentation tomorrow. It's not a big deal. It's not a big deal. It's only a big deal if that's a regular recurrence. Yeah. But again, stress stress is one of the biggest reasons people end up in addicted. Just to bring it back around, stress is a big reason people end up addicted to things in the first place. You have to escape. Yeah, because I mean, most of most of the time, like I can speak from experience. I'm not much of a smoker. However, occasionally when I've been stressed, I've thought I could really do with a cigarette right about now. And it's just that kind of idea that you want to decide that you want a respite from the stress, so you kind of look for an escape. If you are stressed, you want an escape to kind of feel better, to relax yourself. Mm. And that can lead very prominently into addiction. It's interesting, isn't it? Like, I've never felt stress. I don't think I've ever felt stressed about anything in my life. Other I, don't, than I don't believe that. No, 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 let me continue. Other than exams. Right, okay. I felt short-term stress. Right. I'm not in debt. Okay. Well, you've got student loans. But I don't have to pay that until I earn a certain amount. And even when I do a, uh, do earn a certain amount, it usually gets paid automatically anyway. Mm -hmm. So I'm not like it's not that big of a deal to me. Okay. If it's, if it's been taken care of by someone else, I'm not stressed about it because I have to worry about it. Uh, right now, I've got nothing to be stressed about. So I've got like I've got prospect. Um. Yeah, the only reason I was stressed in my life was for exams. GCSEs, I was a bit stressed. A-levels, I was very stressed during A-levels. Because it was like, suddenly I was like... Actually, no. I was more stressed during GCSEs because there, there were more subjects. Yeah, I could get that. During A-level, there were fewer subjects. There were only like four. Literally four. Mm, I was still more stressed during A levels though, because I thought they they actually mattered more to me. GCSEs kind of, they didn't really matter, and like you could coast your way through GCSEs. 
But for me, GCSEs are like, if I don't do well in GCSEs, I can't do A-levels. Because my, my college was very strict. You had to get like a certain amount of A's to do A-levels. Oh, no, that wasn't. Which is fucking bullshit. Because I know, like, li- yeah, literally, like, loads of other people said, like, oh, no, I, I could get, like, four C's in my GCSEs and do A-levels. Like, fuck that shit. I had to get, like, four C's, at l- four A's at least. Oh, no, I coursed my way to all A's at GCSEs. I didn't have to try it to get that. I had to try really hard because I was, I picked history, geography. Yeah, I did. Fucking, I, I did. picked loads of sciences for some reason. Because I was interested in science back then, but I, well, I'm not now. So I had to really fucking go at it. Yeah. And the science is a hard subject. You can't coach science. You absolutely it's can't. It's either yes or no with same, science. Same with maths. You can't. Yeah, it's either yes or no. But with yeah. history and geography, like you can kind of be a bit, a bit close to you with it. You can tell, you can, I mean, it, it depends. Geography, I had to pick nine geogra- geography. Well. Geography may be less so because it's kind of a scientific study. Yeah, you have to be a bit, bit of both. Um, history, you can kind of interpret your answers a bit more. English as well. I did English, I did art, I did yeah. geography to history yeah, yeah. to help myself. But the other, th- other four were all uh, uh, fucking scientific. I did media studies. I saw no, I said media studies as well. And media studies at Jesus, he was a fucking coast. But I did biology, chemistry, and bio- physics as well. And that was hard. They were hard subjects. Yeah. And that stressed me out because I had to learn a load of shit that I didn't know the answer to very quickly in like four weeks but it was much easier during a levels because there was only four subjects as opposed to nine obviously those four subjects are a lot more diverse but again i did i did english language media studies history and law at a level yeah the hardest thing was law because there was a lot of shit to remember but i wasn't that stressed because i just history English and media studies were all coasting subjects you could just interpret and argue yeah the only thing I was stressed about was law but still like knowing those exams were coming up knowing there was like a big thing looming over my head that was stressful and that was stressful for a long time like every day I'd wake up in the morning knowing that I had to revise for a certain amount of time and then only then could I do my own thing like relax that was stressful. I hate knowing that. And when I worked at EE during the call center, like knowing that I had to get up in the morning and go to work was stressful as well because I hated it. And I think if you hate something, anxiety will be created from it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I can fully understand that. Like if, you, if you hate what you do for a living, you're going to get stressed out when it comes to Sunday because you know for a fact that the next day is going to suck. No one wants to look forward to the next day sucking. Who wants that? And some people live their whole lives, literally like 50 years, or whatever the, however long the fuck. Probably, most people live longer than 50, I hope. No, I mean their career. God. No, I mean their <laughs> career. Their career is yeah. like, say, 50 years of going to like the same office every day. Yeah, yeah. And the, the only thing they look forward to is the weekend. That kind of stress must be destroying them. It depends how much people enjoy their job. I think it comes down to... But how many people honestly do Do you talk to? Well, that's the thing. I, th- I personally believe that life is too short to work a job that you don't like. 
don't do it. Unfortunately, not everyone's in that position. Yeah, but not they everyone can pick yeah, and choose. Yeah, not everyone can have the have the choice to do that. But like, no, and some people are kind of forced. Like, if they've got a family to feed, then like, absolutely, absolutely, you take any job that can pay enough to feed your family. Like, if you're a single guy or 100%. a hundred percent. But if you have the freedom to pick and choose your job, Try. if you are qualified enough and you do don't necessarily like have any dependents, you do not need to work a job that you do not like. Which is which that's been my situation for the past couple of years. And I think it's I think the situation is that we're not it's not saying that you don't if you don't like a job, it's not like working hard at a job doesn't mean like you can work hard at a job that you enjoy. Without being stressed, yeah, yeah, you, but you can put like you can put hours and hours into it. You don't without stressed feeling stressed about all. it, but you are Absolutely. still working hard. Yeah, but the idea of hating, like, I think a lot of people put the idea of working hard into the idea of hating your job. Mm-hmm. Like they see the fact that you hate your job is kind of like hours earned. You are like, you are doing something worthwhile because you don't like the time you're spending doing it. But I feel like if you enjoy the job you're doing or you enjoy an aspect of your work, if you're putting hours in to work at it, then it's not really, you do reduce the level of stress you feel. Yeah, like with the job I do now in copywriting, I really enjoy it because I'm good at writing. I feel accomplished when I do something. I don't feel stressed even though I do have a, a deadline. But I'm I'm totally on top of it because I love what I do. Yeah. And because I love what I do, I can put out loads of fucking work a day. I am way over the fucking like I I'm like months ahead of my deadline because I love what I do. Oh yeah, exactly. And because I love what I do, I'm doing it all the time because it's addictive. And it gives me an endorphin rush. That's the exact opposite of stress. An endorphin rush. That's what you get when you enjoy something and you love what you do. Yeah. If you're stressed, you get the opposite of that. Right? There's like two, there's a two things, endorphins and what did you say? The stress releases? Uh, cortisol. So cortisol versus endorphins. Endorphins are great. Yeah. You get that from exercise, you get that from sex, you get that from fucking just doing what you love. You get that from basically any pleasurable activity. Which is good for you. Mm. Cortisol, not good. You don't want that. You want to try although, and get the Although that said, anything that releases endorphins can be potentially addictive. But like, I'm not addicted to what I do. No, but people can be. People are addicted to the gym, people are addicted to sex, people are addicted to drugs. Anything that makes you feel good can be addictive. True. Which is kind of just like it's you can't win, can you? It's a, no, you you can't win. But at least the addictive shit is not going to kill you. It's just going to mm, be. Mm. But I, no, I, I don't mean chemicals. I, I feel mean, like it can. I don't mean drugs. I mean like no, the rest of it. Anything addictive, it can. All right. So if say if you you can love, be addicted, you can. I've known people who've come close to passing out from exhaustion at the gym. Depending on what well, that's machine, madness. that's different. Yes, depending on what, what you know. But I'm saying, like, people become addicted just because you're doing something objectively healthy. Even if you're at the gym, if you are addicted to the gym, you can do yourself serious harm. Given that lonely lifestyle. Yeah, absolutely. If you go to the gym too much. Yes, absolutely, hundred percent. 
It's crazy. You just because you put your body, you put your body under physical stress that it's not meant to have. Like the idea of a gym is a very modern invention. People for centuries have managed without gyms. That's what I was always thinking. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I want to ask you something. Go right back in time to like the way beyond the medieval days, so like the ancient ancient days, beyond the Roman days, when people were like just bef- just above cavemen. So we drank from uh, flowing rivers. Obviously, you can't drink from still water lakes. So that's really dangerous. Mm-hmm. You gotta drink from rivers because it's constant flow. They ate fresh meat. They ate fresh vegetables, like they grew on the land. And they probably lived quite a good life. Maybe till they were like eighty or whatever, and they died because well, obviously they couldn't hunt anymore. So. Maybe less because they didn't have access to medical technology. Yeah, sure. They didn't have access to medicine, but say if you didn't have any kind of defect or illness and you could hunt and you could eat, you lived to like 80 or 90. Say you mix that lifestyle with having amazing medical advances. That's the that's the key, right? So active, healthy eating. Hopefully you look out on genes somehow. Yep. And you have access to medical uh, technology. You eat healthy. You exercise. So yeah, so you eat healthy. You exercise. You have access to medical technology. All that. That's good though. That's good for a healthy lifespan. But also, you, you've got to also taken into account the genes as well. If you have a history of cancer in your family, you're gonna get it at a certain point probably. You can't help that. You've just got to hope and pray that the certain medical technologies in your life can help combat it. Right now, you know, cancer is not the same uh, death percentage it used to be. Yeah, cancer diagnosis nowadays is not the same as it used to be. It's better now, thankfully, Absolutely. but same, it, it depends where you live. In the UK, it's not great because you've got a huge amount of, uh, you've got a huge waiting list now because there's so many people in the UK on the NHS that you're probably going to die on the waiting list. I mean, I, th- I still think they're pretty, they're pretty responsive to cancer. Like, it's not... But there's still a waiting list, dude. There's... Mm, it's not, still a huge waiting my, list. Not in my experience. It's not for cancer. Are you sure? 100%. At no point of a family... I've had maybe four or five, maybe six family members who've had cancer. Shit, really? Yeah. Um, there's never been any point where after they've been diagnosed with cancer that there's been any kind of waiting list. They are immediately to, like, getting treatment. Oh, that's good. Well, it gives me some hope then. Alright, so say you have the medical treatment, you live a healthy lifestyle, you're stress-free, you're active, you're healthy, because that's a huge thing as well. Like, I know people say, like, being active and healthy doesn't really matter in the end, but it kind of does. Like, if you're, if you're an active human being, like, we're animals. As an animal, we're supposed to be active. We're supposed to be on the move a lot. Not yeah. too much, though. Like, an athlete... Yeah, that's not healthy. Mm. That's why they always get fucking um, arthritis and shit because well, they're doing like, too much. I mean, it might not be the best parallel to draw, but in terms of like lifespan, if you look at a cheetah, the fastest animal on the earth, it has such a small lifespan compared to like a tortoise. It's so it's so slow and it reserves energy. Yeah. Yeah. They but got, their but biology is very does, different to us. But it does move quite a lot. Yeah, 
so the, the slowest yeah it's a slow it's, it's the thing about the hair and the cheetah isn't it but what i'm saying is in terms of the cheetah it i'm trying to draw a parallel in terms of overexertion. yeah in terms of the human you are healthier if you walk every day you walk for 15 minutes every you walk like instead of running two miles every day if you walked two miles every day that is better for you than running two miles every day or maybe a mix of both a healthy mix no because the running puts strain on all of your joints walking doesn't put much strain on anything but it helps you walking is good for you but if you're running it that's puts why jogging is good because there's a difference between jogging and running no jogging puts like overexertion on some of your joints as well but you can do a small amount of jogging you can do like a very like but no, I'm just say I'm you're walking and then you run and then there's jogging if you do something halfway between jogging and running like a little kind of hustle a power walk yeah a power walk is a good idea what but what my point is any kind of movement upward like when you're jogging you're still putting like an up an exertion on your joints it's still very bad for your joints if you do it repeatedly walking you could do every day for the rest of your life and not feel any joint pain jogging and running you might feel some joint pain it is better for you to walk than to run, which is why if you look at the medical advice, they always just say you need to be active for at least 15 minutes a day, but what they mean by active, they're not very clear on. Walking is enough for you. Walking is enough to stay healthy. Just 15 minutes a day. Yeah, that's like the medical advice to say, like this is what the minimum to stay healthy. Do you do 30 minutes a day? You need to be active for at least 15 minutes a day. How often do you think you are a day? I walk to Morrison's about some, about half an hour every day I walk. Down by? Yeah, I walk. That's a good amount. Yeah. I do about this. And actually, no, I walk to and from, I walk from the train station to the bus station as well. So that's another 20 minutes a day. So I actually, I actually walk like maybe 40 minutes a day. I... I run about twenty minutes a day, yeah. and walk about fifteen minutes a day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I have to walk to where I run. I run there, then I walk back. Yeah. Walking is about seven minutes. Yeah. So fifty minutes total ish. I run around where I'm running about thirty minutes. I know it's not the best thing for you, just said, but at my age, it's fine. As I get older, I'll slow down. I think it's it's a, it's again it's a whole balance as well. Like obviously, it's a long term. It's good for your cardiovascular health, but it's also bad for your joints. You put exertion on your joints. So again, it's a, all of the health advice comes down to the fact that it's good for one thing, but it's bad for another. Like you know, the thought of like red wine is good for your heart. It's bad for your liver. But then if you drink coffee, you can't rack that. Coffee is good for your liver, bad for your heart, as we've already said. Just drink water, fuck's sake. Drink water, enjoy. And the thing is, like, health advice is like, you shouldn't eat this, shouldn't eat that, shouldn't do this, shouldn't do that. It's like, wait, do what you want. Do it in moderation, though. Don't overindulge yourself. And don't be overly healthy as well. If don't you be- feel guilty from doing something, yeah. then it's a good idea that you shouldn't do it. Yeah, that's a, good, that's a very good... In fact, that's a very good place to leave it. If you feel guilty about doing something, you probably shouldn't be doing it. But no. equally, equally, probably, actually, people with eating disorders probably feel quite guilty about eating. So let's not say that. 
But I think people need to be soldiers. <laughs> no, but I think anyone after like if I eat a donut, I do feel a bit guilty. I'm like shit. That was full of fucking. That was, that was just fucking bad. I think it depends what kind of place you're in because if you're being like um, occasionally being like on a fourteen mile bicycle ride. Very nice. Um, and we, me and my mates have got back and the only shop was open and we got some energy drinks. Oh. And we didn't feel the slightest bit guilty because we didn't have a drink all See, day. We I didn't have a drink all day. No water? No. That's dumb, dude. dude. Yes, we, we, I was 14 at the time. That's con- Yeah, that's context. That's, that's context mixed with in- inexperience. Yeah. If I did the same as you did at my age, yeah, I'd feel guilty. Because I'd be like... Well, first of all, I'd be drinking water all day. No, but like this. If you're fourteen, it's, it's, it's about no, no. It's about needs and necessity. If you get whatever, let's let's just say you 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 were in the same situation, regardless of your age, and someone gave you this, and suddenly you had this cold liquid, and you were like, oh, finally, I feel good." Knowing me, I drink some of it. I won't drink all. But of that's it. a problem with you, not not the actual substance. And that's true. But like, it's all about I context. It's all about I, moderation. It's just, it's all moderation. It comes down to that. I think certain things are exempt from moderation. But again, an energy drink, an energy drink is appropriate if you've been out cycling all day. But it's just a stuff in an energy drink. Like, I know you can be super active as fuck, and then drink more. But like, there's still the shit in it. That's really bad for you. Like, I think there's certain things that don't apply yeah, to moderation, okay. like fortified, like sugar, like refined sugar. There's no context that that's good for you, moderation. I disagree because I believe there is a psychological element because if, you, if you've been hammering the gym all week, you are working incredibly hard physically. Okay. But you are, you are partial to the taste of a hot chocolate fudge cake. Okay. Allow yourself that on a Sunday. It is really bad for you. There is no nutritional value in a hot chocolate fudge cake. No. But you've worked hard for that. You're entitled to enjoy yourself. And do you think that psychological enjoyment adds to your lifespan? Yeah. Overall? Yes. Because absolutely people neglect their mental health. And your mental health can be a big... How mental health does... Do you think if you're depressed all your life, you will die earlier? Yes. You think because so? you have less will to live. People have been like, there's been times when all like elderly couples, especially when their partner dies, they die of broken heart syndrome or like. That's really weird, isn't it? It's, I, but what I'm saying is, your mental health is absolutely tied to your physical health. You think, yeah. It's if you be. feel unhappy, and you lose the will, you literally lose the will to live. Your body just shuts down. You will sort of shut down. That's fucking weird, isn't it? Well. No, it's because mind and body are tied together. Your mind so is your mind controls your body. If your mind is not in a state of wellness, your body will not be. You could be the most physically fit person in the world, but if you wanted to if you constantly thought you were unhappy and wanted to die, <laughs> you probably would die. Like you get cancer or something. Somebody would kill you. Your body would invent a way to kill you because your mind... Basically, if you don't have the will to fight... Did that light just go over you as well? It did a bit, yeah. Yeah, I thought I was losing my mind. Um, if you lose the will to fight... Your body will invent a way your to Your body will, re- like, 
and equally, if you have the ment, if you are like, ha- if you have an illness and you have the mental wherewithal to fight it at all costs, because you your need, body will find a way. Yeah, it's. I'm not saying it's like a guarantee, but it will work it harder. Might. It will yeah. work harder, or work less hard, depending on your mental state. I think I, I can go. So with yeah, that. so I'm saying like, why work all your life? Why work? Why hammer the gym all week to the point where you can't even enjoy what you eat? Because there are pe- there are people like that. There are people who hammer diets, hammer the gym, and they're like, oh, I can't have that, it's too bad for you, I can't have that, and it's unhealthy. Because they can't eat anything. They can't eat what they want. And have what you have what you want, in moderation. Like, alcohol has no nutritional value, but we enjoy it. So you have it in moderation, and you can have a good time. Just don't do it all the time. And equally, cake, you know. Speaking of. On a Sunday, on a Sunday, if you want cake after you've been hitting the gym all week, have yourself a slice of cake. And then next day, Monday, hit the gym again. Yeah, but the thing is, like, you should be you should be entitled to work that hard and like have something that just objectively has no benefit to your physical health other than to your mental health where you can say, I enjoy this, so I'm gonna do it. It's a reward, isn't it? It's a reward. And it's good for your mental health. No physical value, but good for your mental, which ties into your physical. It's all a cycle, isn't it? That's what I'm saying. So it's all part of one thing. That's what I'm saying. So hot chocolate fudge cake on a Sunday has value. Yeah, I can I can buy that. All right, we're good. There you go. Thank you for tuning in. Episode five. Originally started with drugs, but it ties to health. As always, we went off on a tangent, and I hope you enjoy this episode. As always, like and subscribe, and all that lovely all gubbins that, that people do. Apparently, yeah. thank you, and good night. Bye bye.